Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to the seventy-second episode of the Midnight Film Review. I'm your co-host Brian Stevens, and with me, as always, Colin Smith. And what an auspicious beginning! Why was that auspicious? I don't know. You just sounded you sounded different. Huh. Sounded. <sighs> Youthful and enthusiastic. Really? Rejuvenated. Okay, because I feel tired and <laughs> sleepy. Okay. But, hey, I'll take it. Sure. Uh, I think I have my, my... I'm focused. That's what it is. I'm, I'm in the zone. I've heard that about you. That I'm focused? Yeah. And in the zone? Uh-huh. Yeah. Excellent episode this week, Colin. I have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, originally, I was like, there's no news this week. But we got a bunch of little tidbits that popped up. And one, I think I might have ruined your day with. Yeah. First, we're going to... You did. No, for sure. For sure you ruined my day with that one. For sure. We are going to just touch on a few things that we love to talk about. The Batman movie that's... um, God help us. ...floating around. Avatar had some breaking news in the last (laughs) couple days. This is going to be a worse opening. Like, there are (laughs) more things I don't want to talk about than last week. That's impressive. We're in new lows. Keep going. I'm sorry. the listeners are dying to hear what you think about these horrible things. Oh, they know. They don't know. We watched the trailer for Baby Driver, Edgar Wright's latest movie, so we're going to just give our thoughts on Edgar Wright. And then, of course, it was only a matter of time, Matrix, the relaunch. Or reboot, or maybe sequel. We don't know, but they're uh, they're making another Matrix movie, and without the Wojcikowski sisters. So we'll see how this goes. I have a media hot take this week. Kind of a fun one. I'm kind of excited to talk about this. And then, of course, we're going to review Kong Skull Island. Kong Dong Island. Kong Dong Island. Kong. D- if you hear me, before you see me. <laughs> I got King Kong in the truck. <laughs> All right. Batman, of course, recurring segment, the Batman, is... You, you said it's floating around, and I said, like a turd that just refuses thought, like a turd that just refuses <laughs> to be flushed. Uh, they're rewriting the script from the ground up. There was murmurings about that before, about attaching Matt Reeves with the script. He didn't want to do it, apparently, or they didn't want him to do that script. Um, Last time we talked about it, it seemed like he wanted to... He originally shot them down because he balked at not having creative control, which is, you know, smart for him. Sure. You don't want to... <laughs> you just... You don't want to You don't want to do that with Warner Brothers. So you, no. Yeah, there there seemed to be... God knows what would happen. There seems to be a little bit more going on behind the scenes, too. Uh, we don't like to get in this territory because people's personal lives should remain their personal life. But Ben Affleck just left rehab today. Uh, was in there for alcohol, so hopefully he, you know, wins this battle. He has to fight every day, you know, gets things right with his family. But I wonder how much his personal life had to do, or how much the failure of this the Batman that he had written in the direction of everything the way it was going had to do with this stent rehab and his personal life. Hopefully. Not much. Hopefully it was all yeah, business. It could have just been him walking away from a project he felt like he was not worth putting his name on, which yeah. is equally as plausible at this point. Certainly, certainly. And speaking of um, plausible or unplausible ideas, a uh, seven sequels to an Avatar film 
that we were promised. We haven't even got one yet. Uh, it was pushed back again. So originally it was supposed to, to come out uh, two years ago, was it, or was it this last year? I don't know. It's been pushed back so many times I can't remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I like to just pretend that it, it was all a bad dream before I started doing this podcast, but now we've been talking about it, and it's real. So <laughs> it's the Maybe ah, it's like if we keep talking about it, it won't happen. Yeah, maybe. Well, so the... We've talked about this a bunch. Uh, oh, there was like the, that was the first recurring segment that pretty I really much just. Yeah. I feel like my eyes bled and I lost a few brain cells every time we brought it up. Uh, and luckily, we haven't heard much about it lately. But this week, we finally got some news from uh, JC himself um, <laughs> that the film. So I guess the first installment was slated to release next year, and that has been pushed back. You know, not, I mean, not indefinitely, but indefinitely, let's yeah. be honest. Uh, he said maybe 2019 or 2020, so who, who fucking knows? It's so weird, like, shooting all, shooting three films simultaneously, like, without having anything in place. Uh, <laughs> How difficult that might be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, for all the shit talking, you know, I guess... Uh, well, that's not true. Actually, I was going to compare it to Lord of the Rings, but... I don't. That's not really how it worked. They were. They weren't really shot. They just didn't stop shooting. Yeah, yeah. They they shot the they shot the films in order. Yeah. You know, they, but they, but they were they wrapped on individual right. productions right. and ca- recast and Exa- yeah exactly. So yeah, okay. I, I feel better now. Yeah. So who would have thought that trying to film three scripts at the same time <laughs> would cause production delays. Certainly not us here at the Midnight Film. We never saw that coming. I mean, I don't think it's worth that much of our time, but I do want to say the idea of this being a 500 to 600 million dollar project is just silly to me. Like, it I, that's a huge risk. And of course, you can say, well, Cameron's history shows that he can bring in billions of dollars, but there's one thing that we should specifically remember and that is he really hasn't done a lot of sequels to his own stuff. Uh, and th- when he did Terminator 2, it was culturally relevant still. We are almost a decade out from the first Avatar. Keep that in mind. So it's been a long time since since the first Avatar. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he's smart because he's... I guess he secured funding, and now, like now, now the sequels are not contingent on the that's next true. one doing well. That's so true. He's just, you know, he's that's kind of brilliant, actually. For him, uh, yeah. maybe not for the studio that invested in him, but you know, I don't know why the first one. Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> Let's just fucking. Well, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's just move on to the next thing I don't want to talk about. <laughs> no, no, we're we're gonna talk about Baby Driver first. Oh, okay. you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, that looks. Interesting. Yeah, it it the, when I'm watching this trailer. If you haven't seen the trailer for Baby Driver, check it out. Uh, it's Edgar Wright's uh, latest movie, starring uh, I always forget this guy's name. Anton, uh, Ant, Ant, Anton. I'm uh, guessing it's Anton. Anton. But I I don't remember. I I didn't recognize the 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 lead. He's been in he uh, so he's known for. Uh, sorry, we're stumbling over our words here. Ansel, 
Elgort is his name. Ansel Ansel Elgort. So from The Fault in Our Stars, Divergent, some YA stuff. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. But, well, that's, yeah, that's why I've never heard of him. But uh, there are some people in this film I have heard of, uh, which kind of piqued my interest. The, it, it's one of those things where didn't know this was an Edgar Wright project, saw the trailer on you know, our movies or something. And I was like, baby driver, what yeah. the fuck is baby driver? And then some, and then I don't know if I clicked the trailer or somebody, I looked at it and somebody said Edgar Wright's latest film. And I went, Oh, and then I saw John Hamm and John Bernthal and Kevin Spacey and Jamie Foxx. Uh, and the film looks like that blend of, Action and humor that yeah. Edgar Wright likes to do, but maybe a, a little more serious or a little more high stakes this time. Great. Uh, but it was it was fun. It was interesting, and I'm you know kind of excited for it. I don't I don't know if we have a release date or anything like that yet. Uh, uh, not it's expected August 11th, uh, 2017 is okay. the expected release date. As of now. Yeah, so sometime summer. Um, I mean, as big of a draw for nerds as Edgar Wright is, he doesn't do well at the box office. So getting a summer release, I think, is kind of a big deal. But, you know, this is something a lot different, actually, than what he has ever done before. I mean, of course, he was attached to Ant-Man, but was pulled from that project over creative differences. This seems to be, like, his first big budget with expectations. I don't know what the expectations really are, but... Yeah, so uh, something strange. I don't know where this premiered, if it was... South by Southwest. South by Southwest. Yeah. But there are... We already have 18 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, there's no consensus, but they are all positive. Yeah. So, you know, and obviously I think maybe Scott Pilgrim was an exception, but his films usually are pretty well-received by critics, I think. Yeah, no, so, I, think, uh, I think you're right. But yeah, this... It looks quirky and interesting, and uh, I'm kind of excited for it. So check it out. It, it looks like a weird heist driver in over his head sort of film. And fans of the show, I would guess... Would, would probably be intrigued by it just like we were. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i interested to see how good of an actor Ansel Elgort really is. Gosh, if he didn't prove himself in the <clears throat> Fault in Our Stars and the Divergence series, then, <laughs> then yeah, what, uh, what, is, what can he do for you? I, I mean, there, Edgar Wright obviously saw something in him. I don't think he would have just chosen him willy-nilly, you know. I mean... We'll see. Um, yeah, so that's Baby Baby Driver. We'll be looking forward to watching that. I'm sure we'll review it here on the on the on the Midnight Film Review. So this is the moment that Colin has been pushing for. He couldn't wait to talk about this. Uh, is this worse than the Ghost in the Re- Ghost in the Shell movie oh, for a- you? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, Ghost in the Shell has personal significance for me, but and it's you know I don't want to denigrate its importance in 
like the, where wherever you think it belongs in the cultural zeitgeist. I'm not saying Ghost in the Shell is not important, but I think the Matrix is important for American cinema uh, in just a a huge way. It it defined like filmmaking, action, action filmmaking, and action cinematography, and introduced new technology yeah. and shot techniques, and just kind of, just kind of defined a, a lot of cinema for a long time. And stunt work. To this day, and stunt work. Uh, and... I don't. I think I think the idea of rebooting or remaking or relaunching, however they want to frame this movie, um, is strictly a cash grab, like every other relaunch or remake or reboot. But this one feels especially <laughs> money hungry because what year did the last one come out? Two thousand four. I don't know. I mean, the the original was ninety nine, and then I don't I don't give a shit about either of the sequel films. Honestly, they were huge disappointments for me. No, I agree, but at the same time, the body's not even yeah cold yet, and we're already digging it back up. I I mean, we can talk about remakes, you know, reboots all we want. There are certain things that I don't really care about. We we've talked about this a million times. There are certain things like a movie I love, Big Trouble in Little China. They're redoing it. I don't really care. Like it's fine. I, I'm not happy about it. I want something original. I don't want to continue to see the same stuff over and over again. This just seems silly to me. What? What are you going to bring to the table by redoing, rebooting, relaunching this 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 franchise? I mean, what? And if if the Wojciechowski sisters aren't involved, then what are you doing? You're just you're you're just purely making money off of something, for the sake of it, of its name. And I know that's what all reboots are, but this just feels a little dirty to me. I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. So uh, the the Onion posted a great fake headline or fake quote from somebody. It said, "Cool. It's been years since I've been disappointed by a Matrix film." <laughs> yeah. But God and. Polygon fucking talked about it and they're like, guys, the Matrix reboot isn't a remake. Well, I mean, what really? That like that that's the point we're at where that's how you are defending That's not the So ba- <laughs> basically they're like, guys, don't worry. We think that it's probably going to be new characters in the same world. Um but if that was the case, then I like wouldn't it just be a sequel? Yes, Matrix film. So this is just like we. I often get on my soapbox and talk about films that there there is no you can't improve upon the the original. It's just not yeah. possible. And the raid came up recently, mm-hmm. but this is. Even more makes this film makes even an even stronger case for just not 
not being able to read the like the the context and the the timing of the film yeah and the themes in the film and the cinematography uh everything about it there it's just it's so it's i'm just so i don't i'm so frustrated i'm i'm at a loss for words there this is just shameless shameless attempts to cash in on something because your fucking studio can't well it, 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 it's yeah. it's it's basic the basic mentality of every studio right now is we don't want to take risks there is less risk in pumping 150 million dollars into a matrix movie but then when it fails they look at each other like ghostbusters i know i feel like i'm being a dead horse with ghostbusters I was so excited for that movie when I when I first heard about it. The cast was great. Director, great. You know, how could this possibly fail? Well, it failed because they tried to remake the movie. They tried to remake the old movie instead of making something new. And if this is a sequel, if they, if they do go on that path, I'll be less upset. But I still feel dirty about them doing this. Like, I just... Just focus on creating new stuff. You know, we give Blumhouse a lot of shit because their movies aren't always that great. In fact, they have a low success rate <laughs> of being like critically acclaimed. But they are willing to take chances that nobody else will. You know, they'll take a chance on uh, an IP or a property because, well, they give a low budget. They say, "Here's five million dollars." Studios aren't willing to hand out. Even that, you know, these twenty to fifty million dollar movies just aren't getting made anymore. It has to be either a bare bones minimum drama that runs towards the Oscar gamut, or it has to be a hundred fifty million dollar budget. You know, I, I, I just the things like the Matrix, the first Matrix, aren't being made anymore because we're going back to the well and trying to redo things we did ten years ago. Yeah, it like the. <laughs> It was it was so novel. Even even the sequels were just. Oh yeah. You know, I was super excited, and they were hugely di- disappointing and derivative, and missed the boat on what made the first yeah. film so interesting and important. And those were made by written and directed by the same people who made the first fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the Wachowskis are not involved. Keanu Reeves is not involved. Um, what we have is a, a fucking producer, Joel Silver, just going to Warner Brothers and saying, hey, you guys want to make some money? Why don't we reboot the fucking Matrix franchise? Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's why this film, which is like a – just a, a – it's like a cinema touchstone for our generation in so it many really ways. Is. It really is. Uh, that – like that's why we're willing to just – Dig, dig up this, dig this grave up, and play with the corpse. Like we, you just, they're, they don't have a, they don't have a script. They don't have an idea. It's a producer pitching to a studio so they can make money from people's nostalgia. Yeah, uh, and I, I guess, I guess the, what, what seems so obvious to me is that this is not sustainable. You can't. 
you can't run a studio this way. You're just going to burn <laughs> yeah. through all the goodwill you had and end up end up like Sony and end up like Paramount with yeah. just no new interesting fresh IP not taking risks and is this Warner stuff? Brothers? Yeah, this is Warner Brothers. Uh, one last thing and then we'll move on. Yeah, I, is I don't know. The budget for the first Matrix was only $60 million. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, that was almost 20 years ago, but at, that's still at that time, there were plenty of movies that, I mean, the the, the, the sequels would go on to have uh, hundreds, uh, you know, I think this famously the third one was like one of the highest, up to that point was one of the highest budgeted movies ever. Um so, but that, that I mean, and honestly, like when you put a limit on a on, on a director and put a budget on them, that's when the creative stuff starts to happen. That's where you have to be innovative and, and make things happen, and not rely on the studios and the the, the CGI and and I guess maybe maybe a better way to encapsulate what I'm trying to say is there have just been so few times in my life where I've sat down in the theater and just. Watched something completely new, mm-hmm. completely yeah. novel and unprecedented, and just been blown away by the experience. Um, you know, we we talk about it a lot, but Gravity mm-hmm. was one of those one of those times, and the first Matrix film mm-hmm. uh, was maybe maybe the the first time that happened to me as you know, like an eleven year old uh, or twelve year old, I guess, and. Just the fact that that's what made this film so incredible is that it was something. It was it was perfectly executed, and it was something we'd never seen before. Yeah. And now we're rebooting that. Uh, just should speak for itself, but it doesn't, and we have to talk it up on talk about it on the show. Man, I'm just that is. I don't think I could be more disappointed uh, in in like news of a a reboot um, it would be hard I, I think for me um, I would feel the way that you're feeling I mean I'm upset with it too I think it's ridiculous I love the Matrix uh, it was a great experience it's one of those um, things that uh, it made the sequel in my in my world it's because the first one was such an experience at the theater Going to see the second one was the first midnight movie I ever, I ever saw, yeah. um, and it became a staple in my life of going to see these midnight matinees, uh, the, the Thursday night before open Friday midnight. Um, Back to the Future would probably be the only other movie that I would cry over. Yeah, uh, yeah there. I mean, God, we've just there. <laughs> I was gonna like The Great Escape, maybe like some some of my childhood films mm-hmm. or something like. You could fuck that one up pretty bad. I'm sure that's awful. coming. They, but they did the fucking Magnificent Seven, so yeah, there just you go. nothing is sacred. Nothing, nothing is. Whatever. Uh, how about some pictures of of cats, Colin? Will that cheer you up? <sighs> yeah, I do. I need I need something, and I really love cats. So last week, <laughs> last week we, you know, I said you don't even have to send us questions or comments. Just send us pictures, and we'll describe them. So Drew took the took us up on that and he sent us an email titled a really thought provoking question for the podcast 
Uh, and the email reads, just kidding, you asked for pictures of cats in the Logan episode, so here's my cat. And he sent us a picture of his cat. Uh, he's placed a mouse toy on its head. The cat looks mildly annoyed at this. Um, he's a black and white cat with white feet. Um, he has like a white chest and a white stripe kind of running down his belly. Uh, a little bit of a white, white fur collar. Uh, he's a very handsome, or she's a very handsome cat. And looks like a young cat, I would guess, like one to two years old. Um, a good coat. Looks looks healthy. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> so thanks, Drew. Thanks for sending us a picture of your cat. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, that was great. Thanks. Thanks, Drew. By the way, if you want to email us pictures of your cat, feel free to do that at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. We can explore the depths of my cat-describing mastery. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. we, we accept all forms of email, and that is blatantly obvious. We have doubled down on anything we've ever said on this podcast. But we have more emails. Uh, go ahead. Rob Bob, um, we haven't heard from in a while. Send us a prophetic email here. He said, <laughs> Brian's and Colin... You guys talk about all these remakes. What would be the worst remake? <laughs> but <I'm>... what? <laughs> uh, he goes on to say, my worst remake would be Chinatown 2. And then he, he describes the film. So, the sepia tone opening starts with haunting trumpet music. A voice complains, oh God, this isn't in black and white, is it? <laughs> it's John Houston as a robot who will live forever. The soundtrack is changed to a new song by Drake. <laughs> The story is slightly altered to show how Noah Cross was a great man who, through selfless generosity, founded L.A., but was slandered by the fake news. S- sent from his iPhone that doesn't have enough memory to take this goddamn picture. That, that, is, a, uh, that is a brilliantly focused, short satire. Um, I am... That, that is hilarious. You can't captured the essence of something in a few sentences uh god i don't i'm trying to think of other you know i'm surprised here's one i've thought about i'm surprised nobody has tried to remake enter the dragon oh because that that would legitimately fucking break me too um that is an interesting thought and I, I, I am. I am thoroughly surprised right? that has because, that like, you would, you would think, okay, Bruce Lee, like nobody could replace Bruce Lee, but nothing is fucking sacred, you yeah. know. It, if we can, we can reboot the Matrix franchise, and like, then you know, you can just you can recast <laughs> Bruce Lee, right? No, they don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Uh, I mean, I think that I think you know the things that uh, would, in my mind, would that would be the worst is. These iconic roles that you can only picture these one this one actor or the this one director doing. It's like a remake of Jaws. I mean, they, we had multiple sequels of Jaws. It's only a matter of time before we remake Jaws. God, Michael Bay. Yeah. Jaws by Michael Bay. Why not? Starring Megan Fox. <laughs> but yeah, why not? <laughs> Channing Tatum. I, I and mean, Ty Dicks for some reason. Would you be surprised? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't. I, you know, really, I think I, maybe maybe even even more likely than an Enter the Dragon remake would be an Enter the Dragon remake starring a white person. Um, right? Yeah, I agree. Because yeah, that seems to be the that, the tone. <laughs> that, 
So, <sighs> Re- recontextualized to some pan pseudo Asian. Yes, that is. <laughs> you know, just yeah, uh, yeah. Who who would who would play? Which white person would Hollywood cast to play Bruce Lee in there? <laughs> oh man, Mark Wahlberg. That's... I I don't I don't think. He, I mean, he, he, uh, I, I bet he would go for it. Yeah. But I, I feel like there, the casting would be, I don't know, different than that. <laughs> I don't know, different than that. We, we, then again, we did have Josh Rowland star in a. There you go. An old boy. <laughs> there you go. Oh god. Oh, oh my god. All right. Yeah, that happened too. What the fuck? Th- this sadness. What the ha- fuck? We have to. We have to. We ha- I have to remove Colin from this despair. Uh, thanks again for your emails. I'm gonna have a um, breakdown. I'm losing it. Chunk from the afternoon yap also emailed and to make sure he wanted to make sure we covered the Matrix. Uh, so thanks for that email. You can always email us at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Quick, send more cats. <laughs> we would much rather describe pictures of cats than talk about remakes or reboots or rehashes All right. or Batman or Avatar <laughs> or Warner Brothers <laughs> or Paramount or Michael Bay alright we'll be right back with a media hot take by yours truly media hot takes and we're back Colin with a media hot take Media hot takes. Possum free. For two weeks now? Maybe. I don't know. Whatevs. Do we need some possum in our life? I don't want any possum in my life. You, on the other hand, I watched what that possum was was, was doing to your, <laughs> your ear earlier. I was just staring at you. You were you were deep in, uh, deep in the zone. Dude, I'm telling you, it's better than a Xanax. Just let that possum... Lick on your ear, and not just not many m- things can like make me lose my appetite. But uh, <laughs> oh, I'm I sorry. was I was eating a little a little more slowly. Uh, Man, I wish you'd have told me that. I would have. Yeah, who who would I be to come between you and my possum? You and your therapy or whatever it is. <laughs> okay, so we only have one mini hot take this week. That's okay, um, because I think it's going to be a good one. So you know me. Right? You know me. I guess. We, we Some, talk. Sometimes I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of uh, network shows. In fact, very limited. Uh, especially dramas. There's no way that I'm going to touch it. Is this a review of This Is Us? <laughs> no. I, no <laughs> damn it. I wish I, I, I should watch that show just to troll our listeners. Um, no. So there's a show. Uh, I'm trying to find out the, the creator. Okay. The, the creator is Eric Cripple. Crip? Kripke. Eric Kripke. Kripke. Um, Eric Kripke. Uh, he, he was a writer on the TV show Supernatural. Uh, he's been uh, a writer on things. But anyways, he created the show Timeless. Have you heard about Timeless? Uh, yeah. I, th- I think I've seen it's the historical yeah, it hijinks is. show. It looked really bad. I don't know about hijinks, but... Okay. Uh, it's not great. I'm. I'm just gonna be straightforward with you. Yeah. It's if uh, if Quantum Leap met a bad version of Lost, then it would be timeless. Okay. But kind of, this show's kind of charming in a bad way. That's how Supernatural is. Supernatural is Never not seen a good it. show, but there's it's it's like Buffy Buffy Light Buffy with. 
without the level of writing sophistication that Joss Whedon brought to the table. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, you know what I'll say? I said uh, Quantum Leap. It's more like Sliders. You ever see the show Sliders? I did, yeah. It's kind of like that. Uh, so the show stars Lucy Preston, or sorry, Abigail Spencer as Lucy Preston. She's a uh, history professor, and they choose her to track down with the help of of a couple of fellas. Uh, one is a pilot of this time machine. He's, he's the only one that can run the time machine. And then a soldier, like a Navy SEALs or special ops soldier, um, to track down the scientist who was kidnapped and the terrorists who stole the other time machine. And the idea is this terrorist wants to destroy America by um, screwing up its past. Really quirky, goofy premise. But what is really fun about this show is I'm a hi- I love history. I'm a history nerd. And very – I don't want to say – I'm trying to think of a way to put this. I wouldn't expect this show to shine light on history that I didn't already know about. You know, I, I feel I figured it would just kind of pick out the the little stuff, and it does. So, like for instance, they ha- they go back, and I'm going to spoil like the fourth or fifth episode. They go back in time, and um, they have to make sure that Abraham Lincoln is assassinated. Kind of cool, like you you know, it sucks. They don't want to do it. In fact, they're like. Wonder what would happen if we don't do this, how this will affect our timeline. But not only that, if those who don't know, there were three other assassinations that were supposed to be concurrent with Abraham Lincoln's assassination. So that's Ulysses S. Grant, um, Andrew Johnson, who was the vice president, and uh, Secretary of State. I can't remember his name, it just slipped my mind. Anyways, all four of those people were supposed to be assassinated at the, at, all at the same time. Two of the assassins backed out. Um, one of them just failed outright. Uh, the Secretary of State, I think he actually was shot, but he failed. And then Abraham Lincoln obviously was killed. Uh, so they, they talk about that. And I was like, I mean, I knew that because I love history, especially Civil War history. And I was like, whoa, I can't believe they actually talked about that. But then there's other things that they just go really deep in depth with. Just little things. Um, it's kind of funny because before the movie Hidden Figures was ever set, I mean – before it was ever really on a radar, this show obviously was filmed probably similar at the same time, maybe even the same studio, but they have a whole timeline with um, that idea of hidden figures. Uh, the the, the um, I can't remember the main lady's name, um, but Octavia Spencer plays her in the, in the movie. Anyways, just kind of cool uh, trivia, history trivia. Uh, if you're a history buff, I think you'll find the show interesting. The drama is way over the top at times. The acting is not, not great. Uh, the special effects are surprisingly good for network television. And the thing that I find most endearing about it is I feel like the actors know what kind of show they're in. So even though the melodrama is kind of annoying at times, um, they all seem to be having a lot of fun. And I, this is a show that... I'm not going to say I could see it. I, I Honestly, I would be surprised if it lasted more than a couple of seasons because I don't feel like people are going to latch on to this because the characters 
aren't necessarily in love with each other. There's love interest, but they're not falling all over each other at this point anyways where I'm at. Um, so it doesn't have those those strains that something like Grey's Anatomy or How to Get Away with Murder, any of the Shonda shows, but it it's fun. It's a fun little show and I I I would recommend it to anybody who loves history or anybody who just wants something to kind of waste away their time. So it's called Timeless. I think that it airs on NBC. If I'm not mistaken, do you know Colin? I don't, <clears throat> and he doesn't care. Uh, I'll find out for you real quick because I think that would be important to know where our listeners can can find it. Okay, correct. I, I do. I mean, maybe it depends on whether or not they value anything you have to offer. Yeah, as it, far as opinions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. You know, I am kind of a sucker for shows like this. Um, I. I never got into into sliders, but sliders had a huge huge cult following. Although apparently it there's there's this thing on the internet. I don't even know. I think it's like the fourth season. Sliders goes completely off the rails. And oh it's God. garbage! Yes, um, but I you know I I grew up with Buffy. Uh, I I loved um, like Stargate SG One. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy Supernatural. It's just there's something nice about shows like that with a fun. Science fiction, or I, uh, I hate to use the same word, but supernatural, yeah, bent. Um, that you can really you can get involved with the characters, and they don't take themselves seriously, and they're interesting and uh, episodic for the most part, with some plot arcs that come in to tie seasons together. It yeah. Just I. There, there is something that is compelling about that style of show. I'm with you. Me, I so. agree. Yeah. Um, and I just... It is NBC, by the way. Just okay. double down. And um, it's got an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 65 on Metacritic, which for... for I don't take much weight in the TV rating of Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but Metacritic is, is... A 65 for a network television show, is, it's pretty good. Um, I'll take it. And I think that's probably right where it it belongs so um yeah i think if you have a chance and you like that that style of sci-fi or like you said supernatural-ish shows then uh it might be worth your might be worth your time definitely check it out um i think that's gonna do it for media hot takes we'll be right back with a review of kong the kong 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 skull Skull. a spoiler free review spoiler free All right, Colin, we're back with a review of Kong Skull Island. God, the the best part was the uh, surprise reveal of Godzilla in Act <laughs> Three, and then the the epic fight in uh, in Tokyo. Yeah, uh, as well, the climax of the film. I was really surprised that they put a sex scene in with uh, with Brie Larson and and uh, King Kong. Yeah, that just was really awkward. But I guess if you're, I mean, a micro penis on a Creative use of uh, of urethral stimulation. Yeah, it's weird. God, we should not. We should. <laughs> we're not, gonna edit uh, this part out. No, yeah, no, we're not because um, we don't we don't edit anything out. So, <laughs> that would, that would require more work than you, and especially <laughs> I are willing to put put in. Uh, so yeah, King Kong Skull Island. It's a movie about an island and a giant monkey. 
Well, of course. It's actually, it's not called King Kong. It's just, no, it's called, just called Kong, Kong Sky Island. Yeah. Island. According to IMDb, it says a team of scientists explore an uncharted island in the Pacific, venturing into the domain of the mighty Kong, and must fight to escape a primal Eden. Primal Eden. Yeah. Um, so, this film has, I think we said last week, has been getting mixed to positive reviews in general. Yeah. And... I would say that's how I felt about the film. Um, And and I don't... I have a hard time figuring out what this film did particularly well. Uh, But at the end of the day, there are enough interesting moments and enough compelling scenes to keep me... In, invested, I, or maybe not invested. Yeah, to, to keep to keep me in, invested, I guess, as as an audience member. Um, this this film has a ridiculous cast, and does not really utilize doesn't use utilize it <laughs> uh, no. at, at all. We have God. I mean, we have. Academy Award winners. Um, Sean Goodman won an Academy Award. I don't think maybe he... maybe winner and nominee. He's got, he has to have been nominated for something, right? Well, I'll find out for you if you God. just. All right, I'm just chill out for ass. one second, dude. Just make, calm down. Let me make more unsubstantiated claims, okay? Well, we know Brie Larson is yeah. definitely. So I mean, Brie Larson, fantastic. Tom Hiddleston, a fantastic actor. Um, just like watching him in Thor was like watching a bunch of high schoolers with a yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Royal Shakespeare Company actor. Uh, it just like he and Anthony Hopkins were just outclassed everybody in that film. Um, John Goodman, legendary. Samuel L. Jackson, great character actor. Uh, and John Riley, who I think yeah. is has an incredible range uh, one of the few actors working in Hollywood that can do drama and comedy uh, well and can sing, sort of. Yeah. Uh, hugely talented cast, and there are there is just... There's one character that is developed through the course of the entire film. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, the, the other characters are so cut out that it's... Almost borders on parody. (laughs) Especially Brie Larson's character is just the most the most empty two dimensional depiction of a war correspondent photographer in Vietnam. I've it just it's I don't I don't know why and and the the there are a lot of characters on screen at once. Mm-hmm. Which seems like a just a poorly thought out choice. I mean, uh, you you have at least twenty to thirty characters in this. Maybe not this that. Movie. Maybe maybe ten to fifteen. I would say, and I just I, I don't really understand why that was the case. I don't think there's any reason that this film wouldn't have been better in every way if they had pared down the size of the cast and worked more on. Developing the characters and their motivations. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that. It's there. 
the film is is really weird in in that respect. Um, as far as spectacle, this is a great action blockbuster. Um, there are some huge sweeping cinematic shots. Um, there is some great direction with uh, the helicopter scenes. I really enjoyed. Uh, and I, I hope I don't think this strays into spoilers. Um, some of the scenes with King Kong himself were actually the best parts of the film, which I think went a long way to making it uh, an enjoyable as opposed mm-hmm. to mediocre to bad. Um, King Kong actually is, is probably the second most developed character yeah. in the film, which I think they needed to get right for... You, you need to have that for a, a Kong film to work. Uh, so the, the film was, was funny, thanks mostly to John Riley, uh, just sort of carried every moment that he was on screen. Uh, I, yeah. I feel like, uh, and there are some, there were some really cool ideas and I just wanted so badly the entire time to spend, spend more time with the, something that should have become a character in the film, but they kind of don't really invest is the, the island itself. The island is a fantastic character. Um, it's. It's the setting with they can eschew the rules of science and nature and turn things, subvert audience expectations, turn turn things on their head and on their heads, and they sort of don't do enough with it. There are some of the my favorite scenes in the in the film are the characters encountering strange mm-hmm. phenomenon and. As the film moves forward, it, it they kind of spend less time trying to introduce you to this world or involve the world and what's happening mm-hmm. in the narrative of the film. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I've been talking a lot, but overall, it I still enjoyed it. Uh, for, it was it was fun to watch. There are. There's, it's just a great spectacle film, uh, just a truly blockbuster of a film, but I feel like it could have been a lot better if they had just made some ch- better, uh, smarter smarter choices with the script, um, with the, the narrative. Uh, the film takes way too long to get started, uh, and I don't really know why they did a lot of the things they did. So Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I don't see... Um, any holes in, in your synopsis or your or your critique of the movie? I, the only thing I would say is uh, this is a B movie t- to its core, and it it revels in that. And when it's its best is when it is being a B movie. Yes, the, there are too many characters. I don't <laughs> I don't understand why there's so many characters. There's there's um, it's fucking it's baffling. And and so many of the characters are superfluous. They don't they're unnecessary. They don't. They don't bring any weight to the story or the script. I, I don't. I don't really know uh, why th- this was written that way. It, it had Dan Gilroy as a writer. Uh, he was listed as the main writer. There was also a couple other writers listed. Um, Derek Conley, who uh, who wrote. <laughs> are you ready for this? Monster trucks. 
uh, was credited with uh, writing as well. Can we just blame him for all the mistakes? I think we, we, we might. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't... Here's the thing is... It doesn't feel like this script was really even much of anything other than an idea because the dialogue is so bad yeah. in this movie. Uh, those are the problems. Those are the things that made it hard for me to watch. I this is an odd movie. You know, we talked after we saw it, and I just was trying to come to grips on whether or not I liked it. I definitely had fun in the, in this in this film. Yeah, I. I Especially during the action, and but it took so long to get to the island. It was, I, I, I just in my head, I wanted to fast forward uh, to get to the island. They took so long to get there. Um, this movie is around two hours long, I think. Yeah, um, could have probably easily been an hour and forty five minutes and been j- probably better, a better movie. The other thing, uh, and you, you kind of touched on it. A little bit, but the or you you touch on it enough. I just the characters in this movie are just like they're so thin. Like the Tom Hiddleston character, almost even more so than Brie Larson is just well, a, the Brie Larson is is just reeks of <laughs> stereotype. But yeah, he he is a, th- a thinner and even <laughs> less defined character than she is. Like I. I, I He's supposed to be this badass tracker, and there's this one scene that is put in there just to, I guess, fulfill his badassery. He, yeah, he. I mean, the you're you're waiting for this character to like step up and mm-hmm. be the alpha male and save everybody, and you know, I you you can be the judge of whether or not that ever happens but there's this one scene and we talked we talked about it's our our new favorite idea is tonal tonal consistency there's this one scene that feels like somebody accidentally leaned on a lever and it changed like what kind of movie was being filmed for one scene and then they fixed it and pulled the lever back and it went back to being yeah, Kong School that's Island. That's a great way to put it. You'll know, you'll know what we're talking about if you go see this movie. It just comes out of left field and it's so bizarre and so silly and there's no context for it before or afterwards. Nobody talks about it. It just, yeah. Um the 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 things I did like about the movie are, I genuinely I genuinely jumped a few times. I thought that uh, the atmosphere for no one is safe felt uh, it, w- it was good. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed some of the deaths. Uh, there are some gruesome deaths in this movie. The there I don't want to I don't want to spoil any of the monster surprises, but there's some surprises with on the island that got to me, and I wanted to see more. Of that. I agree, I wanted to see yeah. more of that because that's when I was really enjoying the film. I was uh, anytime I was unsure of what was happening or where it was going, I the movie hummed. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more about this in spoilers, but the ending is. It just kind of, uh, uh, just I feel like it just destroys any kind of finish the movie. And one thing we probably should talk about, and I guess I should have brought this up early earlier. We'll talk about in spoilers. Uh, there's a stinger at the end of this movie. Did you know about this? No. Yeah, I I, I didn't know about it either. I was just kind of uh, messing around on the internet earlier today, and I I watched it um, through someone's phone. Um, on YouTube, but it 
further spoils what came before it, I think. But it's a, this is a weird movie. I, I'll probably never watch it again, honestly. I'll probably never watch this movie again. It, but it, the action is excellent, like you said. It's fun at times. It's a lot of fun. And if you can go see this in the theater, I, I wouldn't deter you from that. Um, hopefully you can set beside someone who can tell you everything that just happened like I did. Um, yeah, Brian is a magnet for just horrible theater-going experiences. The entire theater, nobody talked, nobody had their cell phones out, and except for the person directly to Brian's right who made these weird expository comments like through the whole film. Loud, like, dude, just, not yeah, whispering. Yeah, just like some weird redneck who did not get does not get out to see movies much and was kind of like talking to himself or whoever he was with about what was happening on screen. Um, yeah. So I, I, I have just a few more things I wanted to say. Sure. I, I feel like this film gets caught up in the idea that it has to be either follow in the footsteps of other King Kong films or that it has mm. to be a an extended metaphor for American interventionism, American conflicts, or Vietnam, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of those things clash with the the rest of what's going on in the film. I agree. That's and it just it would have been. I think it would have been better if you had just not worried about writing this extended metaphor, not worried about setting up the so the the the, the motif in pre, in every King Kong film is that the characters see. Kong as the monster and it's really humans are Mm -hmm. the monster it's you know and the degree or the what that what specifically what's this aspect of society that mirrors depends on which King Kong film you're talking about but I I I don't think like we get it at this point I, I don't think you need to Try and convince the audience that King Kong is evil to start the film, and then try and back away from that idea because we all like we know what's yeah. going to happen. We you know or make him evil and totally subvert everything. Yeah, that's... but you don't. They they spend they spend time with that idea, and the way they accomplish it is with this. Uh, you know, I've heard people reference. Heart of Darkness uh, or Apocalypse Now, yeah, and maybe I, maybe that's the inspiration for what they how they accomplish this. Um, but it just it doesn't it it just seems forced. It doesn't really add anything to the movie. There's not enough context for it. And I just wish they would have dumped a bunch of unprepared people on this fucking crazy island yeah. and made them survive. Great. And I, had King Kong save them somehow. I, like, that would be such such a... It, there are elements of that film in here. And everything they do that is not what I just described, everything they do to make this a traditional Kong movie um, or to make this an extended... Rumination on the the nature of war and conflict, and the need to define an enemy. Uh, 
just just like do that well or do the other thing well, but we end up with two incomplete ideas. So I, you know, honestly, I don't think I would recommend this film. Um, I didn't. I I definitely enjoyed my time with it. Uh, I think it, I would have felt differently if I paid like fourteen dollars to see it, but I paid five bucks to see it. <laughs> right. Uh, and I think this what this movie is is a B movie with the budget of a, of a blockbuster that needed to embrace its B-movie roots yeah. more and not try to be something more than it was. So I would, gi- I would give this film like a C, maybe a C-. Uh, it worked, but just barely, and I don't really... Like, if you, you hear this review, like, you should know whether or not you're interested in seeing it. I'm not going to tell you not to see it, but I'm not going to recommend that you go out and spend money on this. There are other films you should see first in yeah, theaters. Right there's now, a lot so. of good movies out right now, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you want to do spoilers? Yeah, let's let's do it. All right, if you don't want to hear spoilers for Kong Skull Island, stop listening now. What, honey? Wow. Are you kidding really? me? You just ruin it every uh, time. I'll see you at home. Wait a second. Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? You, you hammered uh, the film pretty good at the end, and I agree with everything you were saying. There's two things that struck me... Um, when you were talking that so one the old King Kong tradition of this man brings these people to this island and he knows what's there um it was so forced in this movie John Goodman's character like we talk about the tonal shifts of the film his character was so all over the place yeah. in this in this movie I, I mean we talk about him being wasted but uh, his characters didn't make sense logically. It was whatever the scene call or whatever the movie needed him to be at that time. Yeah, he goes from like sort of evil, like conspiring. What like I know something nobody else knows, and they don't believe me, and I'm going to show them. And then at, by the the time his character has reached the end of his shelf life, he is he's a voice of reason again. Yeah, it was so weird. He's I mean, you want a character to do the descent into madness. You want a Colonel Kurtz. Make John Goodman the fucking Colonel yeah, Kurtz. There you go. Or, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just. Yeah. The other thing that struck me as odd, and I went. So I think that there was two ways that Samuel Jackson's Colonel Kurtz could come off in, in this movie. One, he's either a war thirsty uh, savage who just wants to kill. Or he is tired of war and or upset that he doesn't perceive a win happened. But the the beginning of the movie is so weird, or the beginning of his his character induction is so weird because he's he's looking over a box of medals and he says something like, "And what was all this for?" So it makes you think that he is. He w- didn't truly support the war. Like he felt they were leaving either early. Yeah, le- leaving prematurely, and they do. There's one di- line of dialogue that yeah. reinforces that idea, right? And so. that I, I I don't know. To me, it would have made more sense if he was just so mad at Kong because he was getting ready to. He he saw his his troop of men escape this war, and they were going home, and now. A lot of them died, and so now he's angry because 
I mean, that to me makes sense, right? Uh, these men I care about, we've made it through this horrible war. We're alive. They're going home to see their family, their friends. They're going to celebrate. We get asked to do this last mission, and then they all die. I'm going to be pissed off, too. I'm going to be bitter. But he, he doesn't ever really – it doesn't seem like he ever cares about the men. He just wants – He's just wants war, and that just that wasn't consistent with the way the character was set up either. So those two characters they really bothered me, and it, when you were talking, it just it stuck out even more. Um, <clears throat> the only other thing um, that I would say that we should talk about in spoilers um, that I just other than the ending that I was just really confused by is. What did you... No, go oh, ahead. Um, it is the idea that... I'm trying to think of the way to put it. Like, the whole idea... I, I, I understand, like, su- suspension of disbelief. But, like, the dropping... I don't understand, like, how the dropping of the bombs were... I don't know a lot about geology, I guess. I don't understand why that was necessary for the hollow earth theory. And yeah, I don't no, know. No, it's just bad writing. That's what you're talking about. Okay. It's it just, just writing conceits. It, like, just, yeah. it just seems I, I just seems stupid and silly to me. I don't I didn't it's it was like a way for them to awaken the skull crawlers. But the skull crawlers were all, always there and I it just well, No, I, I mean it's in in the short term it's a way they they piss off Kong, right, Kong. right, and then as a as an unintended consequence, you know. Anyways, he's so, pissed off because yeah. they're going to wake the skull crawlers. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so like the it's it's weird because they make so many surface level allusions to the heart of darkness. Mm-hmm. And then it just annoys me, right? <laughs> because you, so you have a character named, um, do they have a character named Kurtz? I can't, I can't remember. Well, let me see. I bet they do. They have to. No, I, I guess maybe not. I mean, books. But, but they have a character named Conrad and they have a character uh, yeah. named Marlowe. Marlowe is the protagonist of Heart of Darkness, and Joseph Conrad is the author of Heart of yeah. Darkness. And they just, they, it's such a shitty, like, what surface notes. level treatment of anything. Like, to say this is in an in interpretation of Heart of Darkness or inspired by Heart of Darkness, just. I think is such an insult to yeah, that piece not... of literature, which it I agree. is just such an interesting story about humanity and the the the, the what man is capable of, and, and also like British imperialism. Yeah, and it just I I I, I mean everything here is is just so. Cheap, I, I feel like just a. It's like they make they make references as opposed to writing choices that would have reflected any of that. Uh, so, and so, I, I just clearly that's what they were going for. Um, 
And then this is the, uh, this is the, I don't know who wrote this, but th this is the director who's talking about really wants to make a Metal Gear Solid film. Sort of a... Uh, okay. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. So let's talk about the ending a little bit. Yeah. So we have this kind of somewhat ambiguous ending uh, <laughs> where the helicopters are coming in to, for the rescue, but Kong obviously remembers what happened the last time helicopters were just there a couple days ago and roars and it seems like he's going to just trash these helicopters. Yeah. Cut to right before the end credits. During during the end credits. Yeah. John C. Riley makes it home and meets his wife and son in what is one of the strangest scenes of any movie I've ever seen. I mean, I'm not. There's no hyperbole. No hyperbole there. The the way that he looks at it, at those two, at his son and and wife is just. It's weird. That was a weird scene. So what? I feel like I should have watched the stinger before we recorded the segment. What? So what happens? I'm to sorry. Stinger? I totally forgot about yeah. it. Um. So basically, after all the credits have ran, there is um, Tom. Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson's character in an interrogation room, and they're being held captive by Monarch, uh, Courtney... Uh, the Monarch! Yeah. <laughs> Courtney Hawkins' character comes in, uh, Houston, I think is his name, and uh, says, um, you know, there are other animals, other creatures below the Earth that are waiting to come out. We have to tell the world so we can protect ourselves from them. And he shows pictures of Mothra and um, uh, some other. Uh, what's the one that starts with the G? I don't. Go, Godan. Godan. Uh, Is that right? Uh, maybe. Ro it's Rodan. Rodan. Yeah. Uh, there's one with G too. I can't remember all the names of them. Anyways, he shows a bunch of pictures of them and says, "They're coming. We need to protect ourselves." And then the last one is uh, like a, a painting on a G wall. Ghidorah. Ghidorah, yeah. That's yeah. the other one. Uh, and there's a painting uh, on the wall of of Godzilla. And then you hear the Godzilla roar, and it's over. So one thing that I didn't know going in to see this movie, and one thing I swear that I, I hadn't heard, this movie was a setup for apparently a Godzilla versus King Kong movie. Um, oh, I thought we I thought we knew that. We probably did. I probably yeah, forgot. Yeah, I thought we talked about that. I'm sure we did. But so, yes. Yeah, so anyway, so you have this, the idea that they didn't get out alive. Then we see that John C. Riley makes it home. But then we see Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston's character being held by Monarch. Yes, I... Here's, here's my other question. Yeah. Godzilla was set in 2016. This movie is set in the 70s. Yeah, are Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston supposed to be in the sequel? That'd be like it'd be like seventy years old. I, I mean, so back up. We I think I think the issue is that either they're going to reboot Godzilla entirely. I, that's so ridiculous. Is it though? Is uh, is it ridiculous? Whatever. What fucking world do we live in? Um. Yeah. No. That that. Because we we talked about they were setting up this uh, this universe as maybe a way as a, a franchise, uh, and we we were trying to figure out if it had anything to do with the recent Godzilla films, and 
the we we couldn't figure it out. Um, but that was definitely something that is was on the table pending the success of this King Kong movie. Was that there would be these this monster right. franchise crossover? It's... Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I don't. God, why am I talking about this like it's a serious thing? Um, oh my god! I, I, I mean, we it, it's happening. It's definitely happening. I just think it's so crazy that they're going to a movie that that. So with probably without Godzilla, the, the last Godzilla that came out what three years ago, at this point two or three years ago, without that movie's success and it was very successful, Kong Skull Island probably would have never been made. Yeah. And so then now you're going to just reboot that, pretend like that movie never happened. It that's it's so strange to me. Well, here here we go. Um, so yeah, I guess. Oh my god, fuck you, Variety. <laughs> Variety always has the worst ads. Um, they haven't talked about whether or not... Well, no, here we go. So, we already have a date for Godzilla 2. Okay. So, first of all, I'd like to say at least Warner Brothers has figured out the order to release films in one of their fucking <laughs> franchises. <laughs> Uh, so we're already doing better than the goddamn DC Comics universe. Um, Godzilla 2 slated to debut March 22nd, 2019. Uh, it is a sequel to 2014's Godzilla. They are trying to keep Gareth Edwards. Uh, and Godzilla vs. Kong is set for 2020. So they're not rebooting it; they're keeping it. Okay. I guess we're getting rid of, you know. I mean, they weren't they weren't important anyway. You can just get no. Rid of I every agree. But what's the point of forward. having them in in the in the stinger then? Like I I don't. What what's the point of you having that stinger? Just just to let you know that this fucking franchise is coming. Hold on to your butts. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Hey, hold so, on to your butts. I mean, the, a better question would be why was this movie set in the, the 70s? And the answer is so you could do your lame motif on the of Adam Heart of Darkness yeah. slash yeah. Uh, Apocalypse Now yeah. without any of the substance or underlying <laughs> context that made either of those relevant or possible. Uh, so yeah, yeah. There you have it, folks. Um, anything else you want to say about this movie? I think we sufficiently spoiled oh it for God. everyone. This, this is God, dude. I feel I feel like a I feel like a crazy. I feel like Charlie in <laughs> Always Sunny, where he is channeling uh, his. Uh, there's the beautiful mind. There's the mathematician. Like I just I see all these crazy crazy things happening. We have so many franchises coming. It's so stupid. We have a Transformers franchise. We have a Universal Monsters franchise. <laughs> we have we have a fucking like Kaiju Godzilla Monsters American franchise, multi-million dollar franchise coming out. What? What What is that? Star Wars is happening again. They're rebooting the fucking Matrix. It's all happening at once, too. This is just... It's like... I feel like... 
like one of the bankers uh, who saw <laughs> saw the impending collapse of the derivatives market. <laughs> In the big short? In the just, big short. I just... Uh, How can we make money off this, Colin? God, I don't... I don't know. Of people's misery. thing is, people aren't miserable. Can you, can you bet things. against film studios? <laughs> there you go. Is there is there some sort of trading option? Can we short the, the, yeah. the film studios? That's a good question. God, because what the... What the fuck... What the fuck is happening? I... You know, I don't have an answer. What the fuck is happening? I... I we... This is... Indiana Jones film. Uh, they're remaking the the raid. There, there's this weird talk about a Tetris movie franchise <laughs> that's maybe some money laundering scheme. And you you didn't. That's not even to mention the Emoji movie that comes out. There's an Emoji movie coming out. Um. So next week, the Belko experiment. Is that what we're doing? I mean, it's either that or Beauty and the Beast. I mean. Uh, yeah. And while there's nothing I would rather do than go see a Beauty and the Beast movie with you, I kind of want to see the Belko experiment. It's not getting great reviews. It's getting mixed to not so great reviews, but... I'm curious. I mean, do you know? I love me some Battle Royale filmmaking, yeah. I guess. So we'll see. God, I'm just emotion. I'm emotionally drained right now, man. <laughs> this is just a... What a, what a time... What a time to do a podcast about Hollywood yeah. movies. It it keeps getting stranger by the day, honestly. I mean, it, the, the things that people are willing to turn into movies. Uh, I mean, it's it's a new it's a new era, a new Hollywood era, the era of the franchise. Yeah, it really is. Went from blockbusters to franchises. The so yeah, I guess we're gonna see Boko experiment for those of you who are following along week to week. Uh, Prepare to be surprised when we we come back with a review for a completely different film next week. So we've been on a pretty decent streak here recently. I I, I feel uh, I, I'm I'm actually pretty happy, and you know we have the Boko experiment this week. And, and then we have Power Rangers or Life or Chips. There's lots to choose from. Ghost in the Shell after that. Um, probably not until April 7th will we have to figure out something. But uh, I'm not. I'm not. By the way, I'm not. I refuse to see Fate of the Furious. I just want to put that out there. I'm not. Well, you know, you're, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of people calling in um, to the podcast um, complaining. But. You heard it. Colin's not seeing that movie. Yep. You can write, send me an angry email, <laughs> and uh, I'll ignore it. There you go. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye. <laughs>